we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers, where we will rock, rock you. you. We will, we will. <laughs> you know, that was perfect because I had stones falling upon me while working earlier today with Alton. We were just busily doing our thing and stones were just tumbling down upon us. So, you know, we will rock you is a good, it's a good way to start it. Um, yeah. And besides that, you normally <laughs> see stones getting thrown at superheroes and stuff like that, which is very poignant for our topic. Uh, now, just to be episode. clear, before I have any fans out there sending me hate mail about how I'm trying to kill your beloved host, okay, let's be very clear. We're building a really cool project over at Mythos. Dan's been coming over to assist in building uh, out one of our private gaming rooms, the tower. Truth. This is, these are not real rocks that are falling and harming your beloved redhead. He will still be here next week as long as he plays his cards right. <laughs> yes. No, it, it, they, it was foam. So it was foam to look like stones. Um, but I, I have to joke with that because, you know, everyone wants to be a superhero. Everyone wants to look like Superman lifting rocks above their head and looking awesome. And then uh, there's Dan who just wants everybody to know he's stoned. Yep, I got stoned. <laughs> <laughs> but got, yes, yes. But speaking of mythos games, uh, as everybody should know by this point, we've had our last number of episodes sponsored by Mythos Games, uh, and I believe that we have a gift card or two gift cards to give away. I believe, Mister Krebs, you've been taking a look at our Discord server, tab tab tabulating away. I really have. I really have. And we have a couple of fantastic participatory answers from our good friend, Dolbis Gumbledore. Come on down. Beep, 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 you, beep. <laughs> you now win this week's gift card. And also I have to do, by the way, Dolbis wins the gift card for a question we had two episodes ago. And that's my segue into my, my personal Mia culpa. I forgot to unlock last week's question of the week. So I have repented of that. I have unlocked that question. This week, we will also post a second question for this week, and we will give away multiple prizes if you will answer both questions. So how did our friend, Mr. Dalbus Gumbledore answer the questions regarding WandaVision? Was there one that particularly stood out to you? Uh, yeah, you know, so one of the questions we asked was what franchise or book or film or universe would you like to see uh, most if it was done in the wall in the WandaVision way, if it got the WandaVision treatment? And he came back with a Hulk series. Now, as a child, mm -hmm. I grew up with the Lou Ferrigno series, the Bill Bixby series. And, and I remember as a kid loving that show but we talked last week about the limitations of technology as it stood at that time and now it, we have expanded so far beyond that in terms of visual effects in fact yeah. if you get to see any of the behind the scenes on wandavision it is astounding what they did with visual effects versus practical it was utterly incredible uh incredible uh and a hulk series would be fantastic in a modern uh, given a modern revision, uh, much like WandaVision. So I definitely, definitely agree with him there. Sweet. Well, I mean, yeah, technology is definitely advanced. I mean, just look at, you know, the old Batman 
TV series. Every time it looked <laughs> like they were scaling the wall, they were literally just crouched and they just changed the camera angle. Um, you know, the old T- Spider-Man TV series, you know, when he was scaling the wall, he had some rig hooked up to him and he was just kind of wiggling his arms and his legs. Now it actually looks like he's climbing. Um, you know, so there, there definitely is a lot of uh, advantages to technology as we have them today. Um, you know, I, I would like to see something for Hulk, uh, definitely. But is it something that can be done? That's a good question. Um, because the Hulk is a really difficult character to get a weekly series. But can it be done? Probably. Uh, you know, especially considering it's a much larger movie format just in, you know, episodic uh, format. Yeah, could, could we do a Hulk series in eight or nine or ten episodes yeah. and, I, and, and give it a, a just revision? And I think WandaVision and Mandalorian have shown that we can. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the, the new episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very entertaining. I admit I I have not yet watched it, it, but I've been really wanting to. I'll just leave it at that. Um, It's a great way to humanize two characters that didn't get a lot of screen time in the movies. And you you understand where they came from. And and there's some some complexities in there that uh, I, I really enjoyed. So we'll leave it at that. We'll probably do another episode on that. But the reason for this episode, folks, is we are going to talk about the recent release of the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. For those of you that have seen Justice League that was done uh, by Josh Whedon, there was a lot of studio tampering, I would say, um, asking Mr. Whedon to do this or that and kind of change the story around because they didn't like where it was going or who knows what. Um there were plot lines that were set up in Batman versus Superman that just seemed to disappear or who knows what happened to those um, in the Whedon version. And I, I get what they were trying to do. He did a fantastic job with the Avengers um, working with the Marvel formula. That's what, what we'll call it. The Marvel formula mm-hmm, in sure. movies. That just doesn't work for DC Comics. Um, well, I, and I'm going to push back on that just lately. I mean, you, you've talked many times about like the differences and the mythos and, and the humanity of the stories. And I can definitely understand that. But, but what makes a Marvel movie good, I think, could translate to DC if it were executed properly. And I think what we've seen is a bunch of people trying too hard to be Marvel instead of embracing being DC. You yeah. could still have those elements that make a movie great but they're trying too hard to replicate. I think that's where we cross the line. And if I may, uh, just to help anybody at home, um, the episode tonight, we are specifically trying to be spoiler free. We want to do this as a two-part episode because we have a unique situation. Daniel has seen both cuts of the film. Krebs has only seen the Snyder Cut and I have yet to watch either. It is on the docket for this week so that we can come back next week and speak a little more directly to the stories and the changes that have been made. But we do have just a a couple critical questions that we wanted to 
address for people who maybe have not had the chance to see the Snyder Cut yet yeah. and talk about, especially for those of us who have been holding out to see Justice League, period, is this worth watching? And if so, should we consider one cut more than the other? Mm. Mr. Dan? Well, yeah, I mean, so so this is the, the complex thing I have. Um, you know, my opinion has always been DC has been a darker world. It's a darker universe than compared to Marvel. Uh, it's very dark and gritty, uh, especially Batman, you know, Gotham. It's that's, uh, and so the, those themes, you know, the lightheartedness that Marvel has with the joking and things like that just don't really translate well. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of these films, the first thing that is obviously that you have to consider is time. Mm. Do you have two hours to spend on a movie or do you have four hours and two minutes? Because if you have four hours, well, you know, maybe the Snyder Cut's something you can invest in. If you don't want to invest four hours and you just want a two-hour film that you can sit down and watch, then maybe, uh, you know, the Whedon version is is your cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Now, I I do believe both episodes definitely, or not episodes, movies Hmm. are good you know it's basically the way i'm looking at it is we have two people that witness the same events and this is their telling of those events you know it's just like when you read a book and then you go see the movie and it's it's not quite the same it's just someone else's retelling of that same story um and that's how i've come to enjoy movies of books because it used to be oh my gosh it's not the same blah blah no it's just a different the same story just from a different point of view and i think that's the the way you should look at at these two films they're definitely distinctly different um so let me ask a critical question yes as we're starting to explore this right again i'm from the outside i really haven't seen very many of the dc films because the few that i have tried to take a gander at i've been kind of underwhelmed by so the first question i have before approaching justice league period whether it's yes. the Snyder Cut or the Whedon Cut, what information or what films do I need to go through or understand before I approach Justice League? So if you're coming to Justice League, uh, the movies you need to see would be Man is Still and then Batman versus Superman. More pointedly, Batman versus Superman, because there are storylines that are in that movie that build up to this event. Um, most importantly, what happens at the end of Batman versus Superman correlates with Justice League. Uh, without that movie, very particularly, you will be lost. Go to Krebs. And to that point, I would strongly recommend the director's cut of Batman versus Superman. It's a more cogent story, Yes. more cohesive. It, it plays better. And um, for all the guff, that the theatrical release received. Uh, the director's cut was a surprisingly excellent and enjoyable movie. I, I believe it's called the ultimate cut. Um, uh, old, yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Uh, but, but so for some reason, the theatrical version is disjointed, but the ultimate cut flows in a much more story-driven cinematic way. Uh, it's, it's weird how these movies you have to watch the extended version for the movie to work really well. Well, you know, I, I'm going to kind of jump on this really fast because um, I think when, when we when we look, 
there's this concept that, you know, something bad happens, it's an incident. Something bad happens multiple times, it's a pattern. And when we look at the theatrical version of Batman versus Superman, it is disjoint and it doesn't flow right. And, and then we look at the original Justice League and there were terrible decisions made there as well. And there was also a lot of circumstantial things going on during that film that I didn't know about until just recently. But the point is that the point that I'm getting at is I think maybe one of the key ingredients to why DC films have not been as successful as Marvel films in the last 20 years has to do with the way that the studio is managing the production. Because most of these changes that occur, most of these things that happen have to happen, um, have to do with studio decisions, producers stepping in a lot, you know, very much what we saw with Star Wars and Kathleen Kennedy and uh, movies by committee, right? Like, you get in the way of a cohesive creative vision, you're not going to have a cohesive creative vision. And I suspect that's probably what happened with Batman versus Superman and Justice League theatrical cuts. No, I, I think that is the key element here. Um, really is, uh, there was a lot of studio tampering, I guess is what we can call it. Um, you know, Warner Brothers has owned the rights. You know, Warner Brothers and DC or connected to the hips uh, with these films. And, you know, they had some really good success early on with the Batman films with Michael Keaton. And then that really kind of fell apart. And I feel like we could look back at those films as like historical evidence that this has been happening, right? Yeah. When, when I mean, Tim Burton was given the keys to the kingdom, he did a great job at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they brought in Joel Schumacher, which just, you know, gave us bat nipples. And uh, <laughs> I get what he was trying to do, make it look like the comic books, mm-hmm. but he kind of went way over the top. Like, I'm sorry, is is fantastic of an actor that Arnold Schwarzenegger is. He just wasn't Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze is a brilliant uh, doctor. Uh, very smart and I don't get that from Arnold Schwarzenegger Um, Poison Ivy is a very beautiful seductive woman I'm sorry but Uma Thurman just doesn't scream Poison Ivy to me Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's casting of Catwoman wow amazing Danny DeVito is the penguin iffy but I still I could I could still see it I could still go with that I still think I still think Tim Burton's rendition of the Penguin was was highly respectable. Yeah, you know, and then Jim Carrey as the Riddler. No, let alone Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. I, I mean, we already saw Harvey Dent um, as Billy D. Williams in, in the early films, and then suddenly he's he's gone from an African American to a white guy. What? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of weirdness going on there. Um, so what Falcon, you're saying is. It should have been nipped in the bud. Oh. Yes. Huh? You should have said huh? nipped in the bat. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, fine. I mean, there was just, or there was a lot of right weird. off the bat. Oh, yeah. I, mean, uh. I, I would have loved to see Robin Williams as Edward Nigma, the Riddler, because he, I could see as a very mm. brilliant genius and, and pulling off the, the jokes and the whimsicalness that is the Riddler. Um, you yeah. know, and then we moved away from that, and then we got the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, 
which beautifully executed, you know, until unfortunately Stunning. we lost Ledger. And then they had to kind of scramble to come up with something else. So I think that that's a really kind of cogent point to hit upon because the last DC films that I really enjoyed were the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. Huh? So, you know, and again, like I've dabbled here and there since that point, but never really become reinvested. What do you feel is the biggest tonal shift from the Nolan trilogy to where we're at now with Justice League, whether that's the Joss Whedon cut or the Snyder cut? What's the critical difference? Krebs, any thoughts? For me, Christopher Nolan, the, the reason he is such a successful filmmaker is because he takes his time and he doesn't compromise on his vision. Um, and I think part of that is because, you know, he's got syncope as his, as his like production house. And so he's basically a studio on his own in, in many ways. Um, and Warner Brothers essentially licenses the characters to him and then lets them, lets him run free. Uh, but then you get into the DC studios and now it's very much their house and they get to make the decisions and you get a lot of interjection like we were talking about earlier from the studio from uh producers from people who are not the the creative visionaries christopher nolan has a way of story to, uh, of, of telling a story that is incredibly gritty and grounded and simultaneously natural you you never you can look at um cesar romero you can look at jack nicholson you can look uh, even now at jared leto uh doing various and, and uh, well we'll save joaquin phoenix for later but um but they're doing very uh different versions of the joker and all of them feel in some way like a comic book brought to life but it still feels like a comic book and not necessarily in a good way it's like this is a cartoon this is a characterization um but Heath led uh, uh, yeah yeah a caricature thank you um but Heath Ledger under the direction of Christopher Nolan uh found the Joker in the real world not a comic book version of the Joker. He found the Joker in the real world. That was what was so stunning about his portrayal. And the same thing's true about Christian Bale and Batman. He faced very real physical problems. I can't turn my head in the cowl. I got hit by a car, you know, things like that. And, and like Daniel mentioned last week, they, they introduced technology that made sense for like uh, making the wings of his cape rigid so that he could use it as a glider, as opposed to just, you know, in the 1990s ca uh, cartoon or in the comic book, all you see is the, the visage of the bat in the air. And then you just understand that he glides down, but you don't know how or why. Um, and, and there are positives, and there are pros and cons to that. I get that. But I think the difference tonally is that Christopher Nolan does not artificially create grit and earthiness. He tells the story using grit and earth. And when we get to things like Justice League, whether it's the theatrical cut or the Snyder cut, um, a lot of the grit, a lot of the earthiness, a lot of the darkness is uh, added in post. To, to use a film term, right? It's not part of the nature of the material. They have to inject it. And I think that creates a tonal difference. So 
Dan, I'm curious because you're a much bigger fan of the DC films uh, and the DC universe in general. What are some of the things that you find you enjoy more about the last decade of DC films? Are there things that really stand out to you that you think are a positive difference for the franchise? I mean, the positive thing is we're getting films. True. Uh, We, for the longest time, you know, we had Christopher Reeves as Superman. And then we had um, Michael Keaton as Batman. And then it was just kind of this nothing, this wasteland. We're finally getting some films. And I, and I think the, the reason we're getting films is because, you know, um, the success for the Marvel films. And they're like, wow, you know, superhero films have a market. What the heck? We didn't think that was the case. We, we figured it was pretty much gone. We tried it. It was okay. It failed. Um, that's the positive. And the positive is, you know, they realize you know, the Justice League film didn't go as well as planned. And they actually listened to fans and brought Zack Snyder back to re-edit this and put it together. I think that's a positive thing uh, and and fantastic. But there are still a lot of negatives out there. Um, I honestly feel like Warner Brothers needs to take the time to find directors that understand the character that take the time and find writers that write, that take the time and can write a good solid script. The Green Lantern movie, I love Green Lantern, one of my favorite characters. That script was garbage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there is a reason that Ryan Reynolds comes back and makes jokes uh, of that as Deadpool and shoots him in the himself in the head <laughs> um, and makes fun of the suit and everything. Oh, are you going to put me in a green glowing suit or whatever, you know, in the first Deadpool movie? Just don't make it animated. Yeah, don't make it animated. Um, be- they mishandled a, a pretty easy to do film uh, and character. Mm-hmm. Do I think they're getting some traction? I do. We, you know, Patty Jenkins did a fantastic job with the first Wonder Woman movie. It was a beautiful piece. It was done brilliantly. The second mm-hmm. one, I enjoyed, but I don't think it was good as good as the first one. Now that could be because of the time period. It could be because there may have been some tampering. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole golden armor thing, I think, was just why? Why did we need that? There, uh, other than yeah. to introduce another character. Mm-hmm. And not only that, you know, we see the scene where she's defending the entire world in this armor, and yet Cheetah tears it apart in seconds. What? Uh, I mean, th- there's things like that that are just so confusing. Um, the Man of Steel, I think, was done in a very interesting way. We got to see Krypton in a way we've never seen Krypton before. Yeah. All portrayals of Krypton before is this weird ice planet. But in the comics, you never see it as an ice planet. Um, so I really like that. I like that there was flying, besides having these technologically advanced ships... They had beasts that they flew around on, and they had power armor. Uh, Russell Crowe as Jor-El was really, really impressive. Um, I will admit that. Uh, so there are positives throughout this. They've been mm-hmm. able to do some good things. But there's also some really weird things where I feel like they've injured the characters more than anything. Yeah. So we should probably go to Krebs because he threw his paddle up. 
Um, I was just going to jump in and say, I think Man of Steel is one of the more underappreciated superhero films in the last 20 years, yeah. um, possibly in the last 40 years. Um, e even Superman Returns, the movie Superman Returns had a couple of gem moments, gem mm -hmm. scenes, and it was it was okay. It was, you know, you can argue it back and forth, right? But it had portions that were excellent with Brendan Routh. They had, yeah. There were moments where he looked like Christopher Reeve, right? Like he just, he was, he was not a bad successor, but the movie, pardon the use of this phrase, never quite got off the ground. Um, yeah. But Man of Steel was absolutely excellent in my opinion as someone who's who has appreciated and 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 even loved superman you know i i wouldn't say i'm a diehard superman fan but i would say that like as a child the child within me is a superman fan and i thought man of steel was stellar in terms of the superman universe of films i mean so going back to you know superman returns real quickly it failed because they were trying to make it be a continuation of Christopher Reeves. Yeah. If mm -hmm. it would have been Brandon Routh being Superman, I mean, I don't know if, if you watch um, the, the last crossover they did in the Arrowverse, the crisis on infinite earth, Brandon Routh comes back as Superman, you know, and he looks stunning as the older kingdom comes Superman. He's got the, the gray in his hair. He's got the, the outfit and it's just amazing if he would have had an opportunity to be superman in a superman movie that had nothing to do with the christopher reeves films i think it would have done better hmm. as far as man of steel my only problem with that is they threw uh zod and the other kryptonians in way too quickly and it you know and Superman being Superman, core to his values is he doesn't want to harm other people. And yet, man, there is so much massive damage going on in that that film. I mean, it, we're, we're talking billions of dollars. And That's it true. didn't matter if there was people around or not. And I'm just like, and they broke, you know, the, the, the major rule of Superman doesn't kill. Yeah, but you I know get, what? I, but to your I, point, like the humanity of DC films, the fact that you have to face those moral conundrums and, yeah. and the scenario that they put him in, I realize that a lot of diehard fans are like, you made Superman kill somebody. And I got to be honest with you, in a realistic setting where you've got godlike creatures mm -hmm. fighting to destroy or to save, there's collateral damage yeah. of epic proportions. And Superman has to make a choice when you're up against an enemy who has no rules, yeah. you have to break yours. Well, hmm. and, and that's what I liked about it. Okay. So true, true. Even though he broke the rule, they broke the rule of Superman. They set the foundation for that rule by that because he had to kill the last of his kind pretty much, you know, hmm. it was down to him and Zod and he killed him. You know, it was, it was either, Zod killing this family or him killing Zod. And he, he had to make the tough choice, like you said. And then that lays his foundation of, I will never do that again. I will find a way, which is beautifully done. But at the same time, there could have been other ways that it commit could have been done. There were some really odd moments, you know, like his dad not dying of a heart attack, instead getting sucked up by a tornado and not having an 
stop him. Um, yeah. 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 So that kind of brings me to, to a next question that I had, and it's kind of a two-parter because as I said, I, I didn't bother watching Justice League just because I, I'm not, I've, I'm not super invested in the universe. Right. Yes. Um, and especially with so many other people saying, yeah, it's not worth your while and blah, blah, blah. Right. It was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I'm not going to lose anything myself for having missed it. But question one, Krebs, what's your problem? Why did you wait for the, <laughs> you know, for the second cut, the Snyder cut, but also after, after, after Krebs answers his question, Dan, what was the thing that still enticed you into the theater to watch the Joss Whedon cut and then to come back a second time to watch the Snyder cut? Uh, Krebs? So uh, much like what you were just prefacing, I had heard from reliable sources and people whose, uh, people whose taste I appreciate and agree with most often, they were telling me, oh, the Justice League movie was kind of cringy. And then through the you know, ether of the internet, I found out about the upper lip gate uh, and uh, things of that nature. And I was completely turned off of any desire to watch that movie because I did not want characters that I genuinely care about to be bastardized and ruined in a shoddy film that had way too much money and a ton of talent and not enough creative direction and control. Um, they did not execute it well. And I didn't want that in my brain. And so I just didn't watch it. And then Suicide Squad happened and it was the same story. I didn't want any, I still have not watched Suicide Squad for the same reasons. And it's, I would dare say, knowing what I know from the sources that I do. You're okay I, missing that one. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think actually Suicide Squad was worse. So there was like this whole downward trend with DC films. And it wasn't the IP's fault. DC IP is gorgeous. It is amazing and incredible. I know I'm a Marvel fan, but I'm also a DC fan in many respects. And I love that IP, but people were just not doing it justice, no pun. Uh, um, and so why did I wait so long? Because I was waiting for it to be good. And when when the ultimate cut came out uh, for Batman versus Superman, which was actually quite some time ago, and I only recently watched it, um, I, I was told by those same sources who told me not to watch Batman versus Superman to watch the ultimate cut because it was a redemptive version. And I eventually just recently watched it because I was preparing for the Snyder cut. I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I waited because uh, I agree with Dan. You have to see Man of Steel and you have to absolutely positively must see Batman versus Superman, the ultimate cut, please before you watch the Zack Snyder cut. Absolutely yeah. love it. I mean, I, I mean, really, that's, it really is that. I, I feel like they got the wrong people to do these. Uh, Suicide Squad was horrible. Um, I want nothing to do with it. I mean, I don't own it. Uh, it is one, the only superhero movie I don't own, and, and I don't plan it. I am looking forward to the new James Gunn Suicide Squad movie, though, because um, I think he knows how to do a superhero film, um, especially one with a large multi-person cast. We've seen it with Guardians of the Galaxy. I think he's going to do a fantastic job, and we've got a great cast. Uh, you know, 
seeing uh, Will Smith showing up as, uh, you know, Uncle Phil as, as Deadshot um, <laughs> was a very interesting choice. Um, and I, I know I'm going to get flack for this, but Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is a horrible choice. I think she was mm. horrible as that character. Um, and Jared Leto is, and his interpretation of the Joker, just, ugh, I don't like it. Um, so it just, it, the, and the, the villain they picked, come on. <laughs> but moving forward. Um, <laughs> I, I, the people at home cannot see Dan's face right now. And, and sooner than later this year, we are going to have some live footage <laughs> for you folks. But the, the look of pain and anguish, I've never seen Dan's brow crease quite so much <laughs> of like, yeah. This is a bitter thing for me to say. I don't want to say it, but I have to say it. Oh, we, it are in, I feel we are in know. Dan's wheelhouse here. No pun. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, when it comes to, I, I, I love, they do a fantastic job when it comes to their TV series. Mm -hmm. DC has always been excellent when it comes to the TV. Uh, that's something that Marvel's trying to catch up on. Mm -hmm. Marvel's great at their movies. DC is trying to catch up in their movies. It, it's, it's the honest truth. Uh, DC is fantastic with animated films. Man, they, oh my gosh, they, their animated stories are so great. They are. They're fantastic. And but and because they're not limited like we are with film. And I think that's where a lot of their problem is is you know with animation they they don't need the they don't have those constraints. But well, really, I, they, they don't have those constraints now with technology, but for some reason there's some mindset with the studio that gets stuck there, in my opinion. It's interesting that you bring that up because it occurs to me, you know, Marvel hasn't had a truly great animated series since the 1990s X-Men series. Not truly great. They've had good series, but not truly great. And we, you can look at like the DC animated films and they are truly great films. They're, they're animated and they're great films. And it's weird because I feel like they approach the animated storytelling uh, with the gravitas that you would a, re, a, a live action film, yeah. but they approach the live action films with the silliness that you would a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I'll give Marvel credit for planet Hulk. I think planet Hulk is a fantastic animated movie that they put together. That's fair. Um, but just but, in sheer volume, I mean, you can look like the DC animated films, that are truly great compared to the oh, marvels yeah. and, and they keep putting them out yeah yeah uh, so getting into the film why did i go see the whedon one because i wanted to see a justice league movie i mean mm. i've waited for so long to see a justice league movie you know i i've seen i have the comics i've seen the animated films i wanted to see this on the big screen with the cast that they had mm. um and i went in I watched it. I was, you know, it was, it was okay. I, it, you know, it was it, it was amazing that I walk out of there going, yes, this is what I've always wanted. No, I didn't walk out that way. Hmm. Cause I walked out going, um, so what happened to this thing that happened to Batman versus Superman? What happened to this part? What about this lead up? Uh, I'm really kind of confused. There's a few, there's things missing here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, then we got the Wonder Woman movie. Oh, okay, awesome. And then we got Aquaman, the Aquaman movie, which I enjoyed, but then I had even more questions about the Justice movie because there it was conflicts. references. There was references to the Justice League movie, but there wasn't things that happened in that movie. Hmm. And so I was just like, what happened here? Huh. Then watching the Zack Snyder cut, oh. you see those mo- moments. So before you pass judgment on the Snyder cut, I'm going to force everybody to hang on that bated breath for just a <laughs> moment because okay. I have to ask Krebs, who has not seen yes. the original cut, did you enjoy the Zack Snyder cut? Would you recommend that someone watches it? I enjoyed the Snyder cut. I, I would recommend. I would also throw in the caveat that uh, not everything in the Snyder cut was flawless, mm-hmm. but from what I understand, having not seen the theatrical version, it is a far superior rendition for sure. And while it, uh, I think, I think the movie it, it conflicts with the most is probably Aquaman. There are mm-hmm. there are things about Aquaman, even down to Amber Heard's British accent uh, in Justice League, that is absolutely absent in Aquaman. Um, I feel like. I feel like, what, say it again? And her almost neon red hair. And her almost, yeah, but but Justice League, the Snyder Cut version is a very desaturated, very uh, dark movie in terms of color correction and grading. So I I, I kind of dismissed that, but there were were other scenes, no spoilers. There were other scenes, uh, Mm -hmm. at least one other scene that happened in the Justice League film that made a similar scene in Aquaman not make sense. Um, Just, just, there were lots of conflicts with Aquaman specifically, Mm. but- but yeah. that said, to your point, I still thoroughly enjoyed the Snyder Cut, all four hours of it, and I would highly recommend it, especially in this pandemic era of watching movies and binging streams. I absolutely recommend. And before we well, pass that- the opinion off to Dan, are you, Cribs, committed to watching the original theatrical cut, the Joss Whedon cut? so that we can have an excellent part two to this next week. You know, I didn't mind watching the Zack Snyder cut because it was four hours of something I I had faith would be good, but you're asking me to intentionally throw two and a half hours of my limited life on something I know is bad. Um, But you know what? For the purposes of education and science, I absolutely will watch the steaming pile version. I mean, the theatrical cut. I am committed to doing the same. I am planning on watching both versions. And I, I want to hear Dan's particular opinion on the Snyder Cut. I also would like Dan to answer a very important question as he gets to speak his entire mind, spoiler free, <laughs> and take us out to the uh, end of everything when he's done. Should I watch the theatrical version first so that I can appreciate what the just or what the Snyder Cut is, or? Yes. Should I watch the Snyder cut first and then go back and dog on the theatrical is what it's sounding like. Uh, yes. You need to watch the theatrical version first. Okay. Um, that, that's my you. opinion. Um, and I assume that's because you enjoy the Snyder cut. Well, I definitely did. Um, definitely. You need to watch Batman versus Superman first. Um, 
because there are references in both films um, that you will definitely be lost without those. Um, the, the Again, the theatrical version is just another telling of the same story, but just from a different point of view. The Zack Snyder version, uh, the Snyder Cut, in my opinion, again, yes, a superior, more superior film. Yes, he had plenty of extra time to correct errors from the first film that everyone was ragging on about. Um, we got to see his actual vision of the film. Um, and we got to see more Batflick. I mean, come on. Uh, I I really wasn't certain I would like Ben Affleck's version Same. of Bruce Wayne and Batman. But man, I wish there was more. I, I want a Batfleck film. I really do. I do. And not only that, I, I want a part, I want another Justice League with this cast. That would be fantastic. Um, and, and can we I, take just a moment here to throw it up for Ezra Miller? Because his rendition of Barry Allen and oh The Flash God. is stellar. Okay. That's another thing that I hated about the Whedon version. The Whedon version made The Flash like this weird, awkward, wimpy kid. Like, I've never been in a fight before. I don't know what to do. Blah, blah, blah. Like, freaking out. You don't see that in the Zack Snyder film. You see a, a guy that's, hey, I'm just starting to be a superhero. I'm not really certain of myself, but I'm in. I'm, I'm going to do what I do. Um, where before, I, I hated that version of The Flash. That, that was the worst version of The Flash ever. And now I like Ezra Miller's Flash. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, his, I think his translation of the powers uh, vested in Flash and, the, and, and like the movement through the speed force, um, I, think, I thought his physical portrayal was gorgeous. I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, and in, in, in even the the introduction of Iris uh, into this film, which wasn't in the previous film, um, is it, fantastic. So, I would say if you were to watch the film, you do need to see Batman versus Superman, the theatrical release, than the Zack Snyder one. I do think the Zack Snyder one is far superior. I do agree with Krebs that Amber Heard's British accent is really weird because it's not there in Aquaman. Um, the fact that all of the Atlanteans are wearing completely different armor <laughs> than we see in Aquaman. It's just wildly conflicting uh, with what we know. William Defoe having super long hair. Which I liked better. Um, which I do like, but then he has a man bun in uh, the Aquaman film. Um, it explains how Aquaman gets his trident where it didn't really before. Um, there, there are his mother's lot... trident, specifically. Yeah, his mother's trident, excuse me. There are a lot of things that are set up that are great. We get to see Darkseid, which I loved. Really um, good rendition of Darkseid. We, we get to see the parademons a lot more. There is a huge sacrifice made uh, by a particular character that I just felt really improved the story. Mm -hmm. uh, I really understand why Ray Fif Fisher was upset because we see a much different version of Cyborg in this film. Um, I think we see a much different version than all of the characters. And I, I know, I just, I liked it so much better. You have now particularly intrigued me. Cyborg is one of the few DC characters that I do hold an affinity for. Yeah. So 
Um, and it's also sounding like after I do all of this, I will probably have to go and finally watch Aquaman as well. <laughs> you know, have to Aquaman, is a strong phrase, but Aquaman was a good film. I, it was a good film. We get, we finally get to see an Aquaman that looks like a freaking beast. Yeah. I mean, Aquaman has always been kind of this laughing joke of the Justice League. And you can't do that with Jason Momoa. I'm sorry. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is to Wolverine as Jason Momoa is to Aquaman. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Um, and and that's the thing that is always bugged me. Everyone you know makes fun of Aquaman, but he is just as strong as Superman. Um, he just can't fly, but he can go just as fast underwater. I mean, oh yeah, he talks to fish, but he commands er all forms of sea life. It's not yeah. just fish. Um, we do see that in, in the Aquaman film um, quite a bit. So, but you know, he's always drawn as some like beach bum, <laughs> you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, surfer dude. I, uh, I, I thought the Aquaman movie was fun, but I often argue that of the pantheon of, of superhero films, it's the fast and the furious of Superman of superhuman it, it, films. It is. But, uh, but is it the worst of all the DC films? No, that's no. still green. It's still green lantern. Yeah. There's still uh, green lantern. There's still suicide squad. And well, no, actually, you're right. Suicide Squad drops below Green Lantern. It does. Ooh. So, oh, yeah. That sounds like a thread to pick up on in part. That yes. So uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, we will continue this this discussion, this debate, this whatever we want to call it, uh, in the next episode. After all of us have seen it, I will probably have watched it a second time, um, and uh, we'll go from there. So Beautiful. with that, so are, we're, we're done. We're done. We're out. That's it. We're that's out it. All I right. Think that's just about it. Okay. Well, with that said, folks, we're out of here. Make sure to log on to the Discord and answer the question, which cut was better and which one should be watched first if you're going to watch both. And remember, no matter whether you love this franchise or that franchise or this cut or that cut, or whether you are one of the studio heads who stuck their fingers in or not, tell your story, whatever may come. And remember, even if it takes you like five years to tell your story, remember to always be epic and don't suck, Joss Whedon. Remember, the force will be with you always.